this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. Like it's only been like five minutes since well, we were last here, but it's been nearly two years. Has it been two years? Yeah, absolutely. Jumping Jehoshaphat. I know. The it's... last time you were here, these I, these were just um, a twinkle in your eye. Indeed. Uh, this I think was being unveiled. Yes, was, could uh, be. It was in the works. It was as in the it works. Were. Yes. Um, and what else had happened? I don't think the the, the Cock Marshall Trio thing had happened yet. I think we were just just we were just unsheathing. <laughs> The power of the KMT. <laughs> um, but two years is, is it's a mighty long time. It uh, is. You've it done albums. Wild. Yes. A, a Greg Koch album and a, a Koch Marshall Trio album in that time. Yes. Yes. Been cranking away. How do you the find the time? For the kids. How do you find the time to fit it all in? And tell us, come on, give us a, a day in the life or a month in the life. Ah, well, the it, it fluctuates. There's, uh, you know, as we talked about last time, I'm for sure you've had this conversation with many individuals, is that in this day and age, you know, you got to do all kinds of different stuff in order to maintain what I like to call thousand air status as a musician. Of course, we'd like to just be, uh, you know, touring around nonstop, snorting laundry detergent, kicking it, <laughs> trollops all around, rocking like penguin warlords of the night. But that's just not in the car. You know not what I'm anymore. saying? Not anymore. So you got to mix it up and do what you got to do. So on any given month, of course, I go out to Wildwood once yep. a month. That always fluctuates. Like, for instance, this month, because I'm um, coming on the tail end now of a two and a half week onslaught in Europa. And uh, so I wasn't able to get there for my monthly visit in April, so I'll go like twice next month. But when I get back from, I had the trio in, we started in uh, 
in Roma mm. on March 27th, I believe. And we pretty much played every day except for one until I arrived here. And then I do a few more workshops Groovy. here. Yeah, man, what you got to do? And, uh, and I'll get home. I'll be home for a few days. And then the band goes down and does a gig in Toledo. Beautiful Toledo. Home of Reverend Guitars, I might add. Really? Is yeah. that the song I was only 24 hours from, or is that somewhere else? Uh, you know I what? Was only I, I believe we're always hours. only 24. From Toledo. That's not right at all, is it? I don't know. Where was he from? Where was that song? You must know it. I, it was only 24 hours from Tulsa. Tulsa. There you go. The tul- Tulsa's the away. And Toledo's I, I do have a song called up. The Tulsa Tussle, but that's do another you? situation altogether. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen. So I'll be in Toledo, and then we're doing uh, a gig in Akron, and then we're doing this Akron guitar show. And then I'll come home, and then we go down to Austin, and we play at uh, uh, Saxon Pub down there in beautiful Austin, Texas. And then we do the Dallas International Guitar Show. Then the boys will fly home, and then I'll do some more fishmanizing for the remainder of that week. And then I'll come home for the weekend. My daughter will graduate from college. I'll go to that, and it'll be splendiferous. And then uh, the following week, I think I go out to Wildwood again. So it's it's a mishmashery of different things, of either gig stuff, fishman stuff, uh, Wildwooding, familying. I think. I mean, you are the you are the modern day working guitar player. I think, aren't you? You you know it, it, you you've got a finger in almost every pie that there is. Well, I don't want to give you the delusions that I'm some kind of uh, you know. Uh, titan of entrepreneurship i just uh i just answer the phone you know what i mean <laughs> I, when i see opportunities i go yes you know it's I've, it's always been my motto if i get called up for a session I remember i got called up for a session in chicago once they said do you play flamenco guitar i said what's it for a commercial i said how long is the commercial i said 30 seconds yes was my answer <laughs> so i borrowed a nylon string guitar i went to the library and got a paco de la chia cd to listen to on the way to the session and was able to affect some kind of pseudo flamencoery for the for what was needed to sell whatever lozenges or bandages or, or, or cold cream aftershave Paco de Licia aftershave <laughs> exactly beautiful so you know the phone rings you answer it so uh, that's just kind of what's been going you know for years I did the uh, you know the Fender thing was a big uh, arrow in the quiver as it were but I, still it was always a matter of uh, I never was on retainer from Fender I was never an employee really? of Fender that's a, often a miss a misnomer how I had relationships how long ago was that because I mean that's where I first ever uh, kind of you know I, mean, I did that a lot from the first clinic I ever did for them was in 1995 so it is over 20 years ago yeah and then I really haven't done anything specifically for them in um, maybe four years now. The days of those kind of like the, the branded clinics, like a Marshall clinic right. or a Fender clinic, or where everyone and his dog would go and kind of be like, oh, go and see that, go and see right. that. And they're quite tough to put on now, aren't they? And I mean, I know. Well, they were tough to put on then. It, it, what was interesting about the situation is that we, we got into a, and this was kind of you know, pre-internet, um, you know, it was just kind of coming online. There was no, I'm, I shouldn't say pre-internet, it was pre-YouTube, you know. Mm-hmm. So for the clinics that, that, where I always ran into an interesting scenario with, with Fender was, is that there was always the people that wanted to say, well, let's get, uh, you know, whatever rock star A, B, or C to go on and do clinics. And then they were realizing, well, yeah, we can put on events with these guys. You got to pay them a bunch of loot. 
Uh, this is the guitar that they're giving the nod to this month. Yeah. And they're and you show up at the place and 300 you know fans show up that could give two shakes of a shimmy about whatever guitar or picks or whatever he was using. Yeah. They trash the store. They get their autographs. They leave. Yeah. And they realized, or they could bring someone like me in, get 50 to 75 people, and sell four amps and three guitars. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it started to, um, uh, it began to get, gain credibility. And then the yeah. more of my records got heard, and I was in different guitar magazines, then it was more credibility. Uh, so it was always a successful thing that was actually building up. But then with, you know, when Fender had their various different, uh, I'm going to say regime changes... Uh, then for whatever reason, you know, uh, whoever was supposed to be advocating for me wasn't. And, but you know what? I, I'm glad I did it. Obviously, it was a glorious thing while it went on, and it, uh, it helped springboard all the different things I was doing. But I was never an employee. I always had to have... I had a relationship with the Fender U.S. people, and I had a relationship with the Fender Europe people, and different mm. distributors. So when I was at NAM every year, it was very, very stressful because I would have to hook up with all the different people and kind of get my calendar out and figure out, okay... Yeah. Well, how am I going to eat this year? And then yeah. I would have to by the by Sunday, the end of Sunday, I realized, okay, well, I'm going to Europe in the spring. I'm yeah. going here in the summer, and then I would put band stuff around it. And then I also had the Hell Leonard thing. So I always had to. So springboarding from that, when the Fender thing kind of ceased, it segued into the Wildwood thing, and and then the Fishman. So it, it was always kind of in my mentality to have to juggle all these things in order to eat. I I, I mean, again, I think it's a, definitely definitely. You know, it gave you exposure in the way that oh, no you know, question. You would you millions and well, not millions, but thousands of great guitar players out there are just going. Why does nobody watch my YouTube channel? It's just like because nobody knows it's there, and you need that kind of right. break, don't you? Opportunity to sort of go here. I am. Oh, he's cool, you know. And then right, right. Off it goes from there, doesn't and it? And off it goes. But, I'm interested. I was listening to some of your sort of back catalogue of music, and we're not going to go. If anybody's didn't see the first interview I did with. Greg, a couple of years ago, that's where we kind of go back to childhood and yeah, yeah, yeah. lay you down on the couch and try and work out how you've become. <laughs> the it's a dicey saga. <laughs> so I really just wanted to, you know, I was talk, look, listening to the sort of the, the, the back catalogue of stuff, and I was listening to sort of four or five different albums you've done, and the the solo stuff is quite different to the um, Cock Marshall yeah, yeah. kind of trio. The solo stuff. Um, there was one album I think from 2007 where you had a singer on there yeah yeah um, Malfred Milligan yeah yeah and again really interesting because then of course you don't have to be the, the main you don't have to be literally just going how am I going to do four minutes of guitar tricks basically right. to make a song right so that's cool I, I've, I like that and then your solo stuff is again it's it feels like it's going you know how do I who am I as a guitar player to just, you know, and get my thing across. Whereas the Cock Marshall Trio seems to be, we can just be a boogie-woogie band again now and just sort of right. do some songs, if you like, even though there's no singing in there. But right. what do you, how do you sort of bounce between the two and which one do you get the biggest kind of kicks out of? Or? Well, it was interesting because on this past tour, we actually, um, I added just a few of the vocal tunes back in again uh, just because I felt like doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. it just, you know, there's times where you want to sing and there's times that you don't. And I think that, there's certain things that I can sing okay on. I kind of, <laughs> I, I use the analogy of my singing voice is kind of like my visual presentation. I'm not heinously hideous, but I'm not like a supermodel either. So that's kind of like my my vocal experience as well. So I can, I can pull it off and there's, 
certain people that dig it. <laughs> but for the most people, like, okay. You know, but yeah. then I play guitar and it's I can kind of pull off more of kind of an attractive individual on the guitar. So I kind of uh, scope it around accordingly. So, but there are some people that without vocals, they have a hard time getting an entree in, into mm -hmm. the music. You know what I mean? So it, it's an icebreaker, if you will. But the way that the, the trio is with uh, with my son and with uh, with Toby, it's because of the sound of the organ, I think, especially, and it's more groove-oriented music. It's more accessible to begin with. Mm. Uh, and the whole premise of the thing is um, it's all just kind of done live. I mean, uh, it's probably approach recording, and, and every song, or the way we play it live, it's always different. So it's a lot more liberating to me as opposed to okay i gotta do this record and here are the tunes and yeah. most of the time you're learning the tunes on the fly and of course i'm always like well you know it kind of, can't just be a straight blues i gotta put this in there i gotta be there because that's you know it's got to be something different i don't want to yeah. do the same old crapola uh but that inevitably leads to kind of a tentative way of recording them because you know of course people back in the day would record oh we're gonna take three weeks or a month and we're gonna record i was like i'm gonna take three days you know mm -hmm. what i mean so it's always wham bam 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 and then the tune, sometimes you have a chance to develop them prior to going to the studio, and then there's sometimes you're doing it in the studio. So I think with this band, it's just it's a lot more of a natural thing. And, yeah. and plus, because Toby's such a great soloist, I don't have to worry about, you know, it's all making sure that I have to do X, Y, and Z. I yeah. can kind of go, hey, go, and he's a demon. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. Uh, and plus, it, it's just kind of a culmination of all the stuff I've ever all with my guitar stuff. I've always tried to do stuff that's kind of or, you know, love the sound of an organ. We've had different organ players in the band over the years, and um, finally we got the guy. He's perfect and he's yeah. insane with the way he, you know when he plays live. I mean, he's, he looks like he's deranged, which fits in perfectly with our situation. And uh, and then you know, and my 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 son found him, so that makes it even better. So I would say that this is just a kind of the natural progression of an amalgamation of all the things done before, but in a very organic kind of, let's just play and have fun for the love of God. Your, the solo stuff though, is that more, uh, is that a longer creative process? The solo stuff? Is it, is it, cause I, I can tell, well, I say I can tell the, the, the Cock Marshall stuff has got that vibe of just a great band doing stuff and being captured doing mm -hmm. that thing. The, the, the solo stuff are, are, are much more sort of intricately constructed. Right. And I guess perhaps because you haven't got the keyboard player or somebody to just right. go, oh, you, you do this because nobody bought the album. For right. That guy, if it's your solo album, is it? Right, just right. Bought it. So do you, is, that, is that much more of a, of like, you know, months of, of different ideas that you've tried to lay down and create a, a, a track with? or is all, it all, all the stuff comes together really fast. Okay. Um, you know, it, it got to the point where I think, um, you know, after the Malford band, which is, uh, it started off with being, uh, I think that was like 2007-ish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I put something together with Roscoe Beck, and mm -hmm. it was like, holy cats, Roscoe and I are, Roscoe Beck and I are putting a band together, you know? Yeah. And, and we had this, uh, this really good drummer friend of mine from back home, and then um, we were doing a gig in, in Milwaukee, we were doing this trio gig, and... Uh, it was a three-night run at the at Festa Italiana. I don't know if you're over, but Cock is a very Italian <laughs> last name. That's not, not true. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, they have all these huge ethnic festivals on the lakefront in Milwaukee, the Summerfest grounds. And uh, a buddy of mine ran Festa Italiana and booked us for three nights straight. So we, we played there the first night and um, played there the second night. The guy that ran the festival came and he's backstage and he's like, you know, 
why aren't you guys, you know, why aren't you guys X, Y, and Z? And why aren't you doing this? And how can I go, well, you know, we just put this band together. And I said, I said but to be honest with you, if we had a front man of doom who could sing mm-hmm. like a demon of the night that would match up with the instrumental prowess of the band, you know, that might, that might be interesting. He goes, well, do you have anybody in mind? I go, well, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, Malfred Milligan is one of my all-time favorites. He's, we actually did do something with him once. And, uh, of course, Roscoe knew him for years down in Austin. And he's like, well, let's get him up here. I go, what do you mean, for tomorrow night? He's like, yeah. So I called called him right then and there. I, actually, Roscoe called him, left a message for him, said, would you be? And then we booked him a flight. We rehearsed him the next afternoon, and we played the gig, and then we played in a band together for the next couple of years. So uh, that all was, was very, very cool. But after that kind of thing ran its course, you know, and of course you got different personalities and... It, I, there are stories to be told, but be that as it may, we're all buddies now, and it's all well and good. Uh, but I was like not in the mood to do any more recording at that point. It's like it's not the matter of coming up with the material because I'm kind of a uh, obsessive creative mutant. I mean, I'll get up and I, I, I started writing songs with this other uh, this guy who's a prolific lyricist, and uh, we wrote like seventy songs in three months, and they were and I we haven't recorded a lot of them, but I did little demos on my. Um, I, I, and I use GarageBand, you know, I do yeah. like a track and then I'll layer some stuff, send it to him and he would bounce back like the next day with these really good lyrics. It's fantastic. Uh, so the creative process is not the issue. It's putting together, okay, what tunes are we going to do? Where are we going to record it? What personnel am I going to use? Because I'm going to have to tour behind it and you can't mm-hmm. really tour behind something if you don't have some semblance of the same people on the record uh, and all that other kind of stuff. So it's it just became kind of a nightmare. But I decided to do the uh, From the Attic record um, kind of begrudgingly, and that came together really, really fast. Um, um, as I said, you know, we go in and record in you know, three days, and all the, you know, the bed tracks are done, yeah. and do the overdubs, and we're done. And uh, you know, four days in the south was recorded four days in the south, you know, in the south. Yes. And so the, the the process has always been been super fast, uh, which is good and bad. I, I kind of like the idea of this band now because whatever we're going to do, we're going to just do it live. Mm-hmm. And whatever's going to happen in the moment is going to happen and then I don't have to obsess about, okay, i got to put this other part in because there's no other instrumentation. It's like, yeah. no, it's an organ trio. This is how it goes. We're done. So, yeah, it's always... Uh, it's always been weird. I mean, and then what's so strange is we were talking about earlier, you know, when you do all these different things, you're doing, you know, wildwood videos or doing all this other kind of stuff, you'll have people go... I really like the songs you're playing in those videos. What are those? Do you have any records out? I'm like, uh, yes, I have like 14 or 15. <laughs> and, uh, and and so then people are like, well, really? Well, what's that song? And you just realize how, you know, with all the information that's available online, everything's just a couple of schkadoidals away. But it's amazing how you have to go, mm. well, yes, I actually have some recorded material and, you know, X, Y, and Z and so on and so forth. And um, so... Time is short, though. I mean, it's interesting you say that because I... Again, I, 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 I am both uh, on. I'm on both ends of that. You know, people emailing me questions all the time, where I'm just going. In the time it took you to type that question out, if you'd just written the same question into Google right. rather than my done. Facebook page, right. you would have the answer. Um, but then on the flip side, I'm also that guy that goes, "Ah, oh, I haven't got time to listen to 15 Greg Cock right, albums. Right, 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 right. If I like this song, Greg, which is the one I yeah, should that, listen to. Well, that's to. a question. I, yeah, you know, yeah, I so think that. I, yeah, yeah. I, so I get it. You know, but people, yeah. people just have that. They just want that instant. You know, there's a right. certain thrill about being, you know, some, you know, emailing you and then actually getting the, the right. response from you. It's like kind of cool. But um, I'm still, 
I, I love the fact that, again, you've obviously are this sort of creative sort of maelstrom of ideas. So what, what is it that, is it a new piece of gear or is it a, is it a sound, a riff you hear someone else play or something? What do you hear, you know, what do you? It depends. What happens? Sometimes to... it's just, um, I'll be noodling on the guitar and something will just come. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it might be a lick thing, it, you know, and I have a tendency of going on these um, <laughs> uh, psychotic, um, obsessive <laughs> tangents. So back in November, uh, I ended up sitting in with, with Dweezil Zappa. Now, I was always a big Zappa fan, uh, and I had seen Zappa play Zappa se- several mm-hmm. times, and I was a big fan of what Dweezil did. And uh, so I'm sitting there at the show, and it's like a three-hour three hour show, and I sit in, I do my part, and I get done, and I'm listening to it more, and I, and I was like three and a half hours of music, and I was totally not bored. I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I was hearing all these songs, I'm like, what? what is that song? You know, I figure, well, I got 10 Zappa albums. You know, I'm a fan. And then you realize there's like 60 albums. So um, at the end of the show, I was like, what was that one kind of spooky ballad tune? He goes, Sleep Dirt? I go, Sleep Dirt. I've never heard of Sleep Dirt. And so I go home and I download Sleep Dirt. And it's like, all said and done, probably one of my favorite, you know, instrumental Zappa records of all time. So then I start downloading more. So I, 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 I went through this huge kind of Zappa renaissance of just kind of listening to his thing and just kind of being totally involved and it didn't really i mean a lot of times it would just be a riff i don't i i i never try to figure things out exact i'm always like i like that thing right there and it may end up in a tune it may end up being a little thing that i'll use for improvising or whatever the case may be so that happens i was on this huge zappa thing and then we go to Jamaica. This uh, buddy of mine back home has this band called the Jimmies. It's this great blues band from Madison, Wisconsin. He's like, you want to be our special guest this year? We go down to Jamaica. We play two gigs. And the rest of the time, we just hang out in an all-inclusive resort. And you can take your wife along. I'm like, yes. Yes is my answer. <laughs> Especially at the end of February in Wisconsin, where it was, you know, 50 below zero. Jamaica sounded pretty good. Yes. So I go down there. It was a blast. had a great time. And I'm hearing all these old Bob Marley tunes. And I always had a, I always liked old Bob. But I'm starting to hear all these tunes like... I, what is this? What, what's Rastafarian? So I, you know, I go on this binge where yeah. I'm like listening to every Bob Marley recording, every uh, Peter Tosh effort. You know, I'm, I'm finding out who Holly Selassie is and what the history of Ethiopia and all this kind of stuff. So next thing you know, I'm really into you know just that whole laid back reggae thing and getting into. So that's kind of how it rolls. It'll just be some yeah. kind of weird little tangential. Um, thing based on you know travel or whatever the case may be, and then I'll just get immerse myself in, it and it'll come, it'll manifest in some way, shape, or form in a tune, in a lick, in some kind of strange word that doesn't exist in a video. You know, anything, anything can happen. Anything, and is that? Um, are you working on albums now, or you just do you think you need a break after the? the well, the no, tour, I've got an acoustic or? record done, Ooh. so it's finally. Um, we finally got the mix and it's mastered and it's done and uh i'm gonna do the artwork when i get home and i'm gonna get that i'm just putting that one out myself and then mm-hmm. before the end of the year there'll be another uh Cock marshall trio record um what does the acoustic thing do is that is well it's very interesting is, ballady acoustic-y just or is that a band with an acoustic guitar no it's just me doing acoustic guitar and originally i, I didn't know what i was going to do because i do have um you know, a bunch of tunes now that I do solo on a solo acoustic that I could I could pull off a night of you know solo acoustic guitar if I needed to, but I haven't. Yeah. So when I do the Fishman clinics now, I start off and I'll do about four or five acoustic tunes. Um, so I was kind of in the mood to do an acoustic record because I had a bunch of tunes and there's a bunch of my older tunes from the previous records that would just sound cool in an acoustic format. 
So I didn't quite know what I was going to do. So I went in um, and uh, really with no plan and I started doing like a solo, just a solo acoustic thing. And I said, you know, screw it. Let me let me put down this part and I'll put something on top of it. So now it's it's this layered thing, but it's cool because it's mm. it a lot of stuff really grooves. Uh, but it's not like, oh look, a fingerstyle record. It's it's not that. Yeah. Uh, there are some things on there that are just solo guitar. Uh, but it's it's like there's some cool rocky stuff on there, some good blues stuff. There's of course some Chet-esque type things, there's some slide stuff. And uh, you know, there's like I don't know, 14 tunes on there but they're short i mean they're not mm -hmm. like you know oh my god is this you know is this gonna end <laughs> some of them are i mean most of them are very very short obviously 14 tunes and it's only lasts like 38 minutes okay. so it's pretty wham bam thank you ma'am so uh that's gonna be called acoustic gristle soup <laughs> i thought that kind of cuts it to the gristle cuts. soup that sounds appetizing it sounds delicious yes, doesn't it <laughs> let's hope let's hope the album soup's is on. tastier than the name yeah, well suggests. you know what branding <laughs> Gristle what soup. You, what are you using acoustic-wise then? Because I think we'll we'll get round to talking about you know toys in a second, but acoustic-wise, and I, uh, I've always Martin been a, a Martinsman. Yeah, I thought so. And uh, I years ago when I when I started to do a bunch of um, um, session stuff and I needed an acoustic, I'd always borrow one from a friend. Um, and so finally, I just was like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the drop the cash necessary to get the, the proper acoustic. So I, at the time, this was like 1996 or so, I found this guitar at this local guitar shop and I'd been going around a bunch of different places and I just, this guitar just spoke to me. And it was a, um, it was a Martin, it's basically an HD 28V, but at the mm -hmm. time they called it a custom 15 because apparently it was the 15th custom tweak guitar of whatever particular year this was. And it was so popular that they proceeded to make it for another dozen years or so. Mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes, it's like a HD twenty eight. It's it's the, I suppose it's the classic yeah. Martin, isn't it? It's, it's, it sounds it's, magnificent. It plays yeah. great. Do you use uh, the same guitar on every track, or I did using... not. I, I did purchase this patch. I started doing some uh, a clinic here and there for for Martin because, of course, mm -hmm. they've had a long relationship with uh, with Fishman, mm -hmm. and um, and I always wanted an orchestra body model so i was either going to get an om28 or a triple o28 and i decided to go with the triple o28 so that's on a few of the tunes as well but mostly it's the hd28 and uh and we tried a bunch of the reason why it took so long because i had i started on it probably about a year and a half ago but literally we would get together at my buddy steve i'd like he's like well i've got uh you know we can go in next thursday and i would record from one until four so i'd go in get a couple tunes done I was like my wife gets off at four i'm gonna go home and then out the door i'd go so um, it was a very, <laughs> very kind of helter skelter type of thing. And we didn't really know how to go about recording it in terms of, we're just going to use a mic. We can use a couple mics. Am I going to use some of my Fishman stuff? So initially we had all the options going. We had, we mic'd up an amp. I was going into the uh, Spectrum Aura, uh, imaging preamp. Um, we did, went direct out of there. We had two mics close. We had a couple mics back. Uh, and he had this phase mitigating mitigation software that would kind of take everything and line it up. Uh, but as the kind of process went along, um, we ended up taking more and more shit out. So there was stuff out. And so we only had a couple mm -hmm. mics in for, for each one of the, uh, the things. So we finally got to the sound of where I liked it. But um, yeah, it's just weird when you're doing an acoustic record and all, that, all that's on there is acoustic guitar. It's like I hear, of course, you know, I'm hypercritical and you hear all the different stuff. Like this is, it was driving me crazy. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to put on an acoustic record and then 
everyone you know, well, you know what I mean? Because you're kind of laying yourself bare, you know. Yeah. You know, so I want to. But finally, what happened was we finally got to the point. He was the the engineer that went down to Jamaica with us, and he's like, "Let's just listen to the record, and we'll we'll write down where the tweaks need to be done." So maybe one last little thing of tweaks, and then he went back and God bless him, he just did it. Right. So then he played it back. I'm like. Thank God you addressed all the things I needed to do, and now I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just done. It is what it is. So uh, out we'll go. Well, so. I, I look forward to hearing that. So, um, but let's get back to electric guitar. Yes. Yes. Uh, your, I guess, what you're most known for playing electric guitar. Yes. Um, and your relationships with, you know, you've 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 got all three of your bases covered now, haven't you? Well, but you've got you've got your electric guitar, you've got your guitar amplifier, you've got your pedal, right? Um, and then the pickups. And the pickups, of course. Well, it's, you know, with all the stuff, it, which was the first one? It, well, it started with well, I guess the 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 pedal was the very first. Mm-hmm. So my buddy uh, Tim Yarning, uh, who I went to college with, um, was a great guitar player. Um, he had made me a, a clean boost back in the day. Um, it was called the Luxury Drive. And then he came up with a... Um, we've got one. I think we've got an original one. Yes! So is it, uh, there it is. I see it. Is it the top right-hand corner or something? I don't know. It's there somewhere. I've, I used to use it a lot, actually. I really like that pedal. Yeah, it's a great pedal. Mm. So I was using that, and um, I would take it out on... Um, I think at the time when I was doing Fender Clinics, I was playing through a, um, a Tweed Basement or a, or a Tweed Twin that had just kind of been reissued, and I would use that to kind of boost the signal a little bit, and mm-hmm. he started selling a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, I, I made an overdrive. You know, could you check it out? And I really, really liked this overdrive. He said, well, why don't we make it your signature overdrive? What do you, what do you think we should call it? And I said, well, how about the diabolical gristle tone manipulator? And he said, that sounds great. <laughs> so that became the DGTM. <laughs> right. And then at some point, uh, I said, Tim, you do me a favor. Could we do a pedal where we do a combination of that luxury drive with the overdrive pedal? Mm-hmm. And then that became the gristle cane. So... Uh, it had a couple more different ways. I mean, actually, the same ways of tweaking the overdrive were on there, but you had a button to, or a, a control to go between either post or pre where you wanted mm-hmm. the, the clean boost to be. So that we were selling through our websites for a long period of time, and it started to, you know, we started to sell a bunch of them. And it worked well for me because a lot of times when I go places, you know, I don't know what kind of amp's going to be provided, yeah. you know, Super Reverb or whatever, and you, you, know, you can't play very loud sometimes, so you set the amp on like three and a half, and then you're hitting the overdrive pedal, and away you go. So that was all well and good. And then we had different iterations over the years for a hot minute, you know, T-Rex was making them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we went back, and Tim tweaked the signal again, and we started making them, and then he got inundated with orders for a bunch of other different pedals that he's making, for Jeff Coleman and Steve Lukather, we using, started using one of the pedals, and yada, yada, you guys are using the pedals, and bada, 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 bada. So, uh, finally, um, I was talking to the Fishman people, and they're like, well, what are you doing with these pedals? And I said, well, it's really taking Tim a long time to make these pedals. Mm-hmm. He's got a straight gig, you know, where he works every day, and, you know, he comes oh, home so at night. so he doesn't do this for a living? No, 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 he's an engineer. <laughs> no wonder. Yeah, so he comes no home wonder. at night and goes, okay, well, i got to make pedals now for a while, or do I want to actually see, you know, people? And, Brutal. Yeah. So, um, Fishman came up with a circuit. Uh, we went back and forth with Tim and the people at uh, at Fishman. Actually, my buddy uh, Keith Chapman, who used to work for Fender for years, is now a and mm-hmm. guy at uh, at R and D and R. We know one of those things <laughs> uh, at Fishman, and so we came up with uh, that particular iteration. And so it, it sounds great. So now I sell them through my website. I sell I sell signed versions through Ooh. my website with a little extra, like a little extra gristle on them. 
Actually, speaking of which, I said we are going to ask you to sign one of these and then yes. give it away. Yes, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Some form of, I will think between now and the end of the video, yes. at something that you've got to comment in this particular video in order to uh, to win it. Yes. We'll put our collective minds Premiums together on. at some point. So watch to the end to find out how you do that. Yeah, so if um, I, should we hear a little bit of this, yeah. Vicious Helmet? So this is just a clean sound on, on yep. the caulk amp. Uh, then if I hit the clean boot, that, uh, so before, that's a substantial increase in savagery, let me try that down. <laughs> And then if I hit the uh, the overdrive ski by itself. That's both of them on. Hello. It's, it becomes the end of the world. So it's pretty doggone versatile. How long's that? That's been around for a, a long time. Then, I want to say 2003-ish, maybe somewhere in that neck of the wood, 2003, 2004. It's very cool. It's very cool. Well, let's do, so obviously you're that ticked a box for when you would turn up somewhere and they said, you know, here's a basement or a twin or something. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. But then of course you thought, I know, what about if I just had my own amp? Uh, right. All right. So the, the amp thing, uh, I don't know if we told the story last time, but what, what was happening is I, I was in um, that Music Mesa when people still, guitar yes. players still went to Music Before Mesa. Before it was a ghost town. Yes. Um, Unless you're into you know, PAs and dance music or something. I guess it's maybe. still happening for that. But uh, I went there to do something for Fishman and right across the aisle from us was Cock Amplifiers. And... Um, Dolph Cock and his wife came over and they said, hey, you know, we're fans of yours. We got a couple of your CDs. I go, that's so funny because I, I've i always liked your amps. I've played a few over the years and, uh, and people always said, wouldn't it be funny if we worked together? Oh, well, that'd be great and yada, yada, yada. And at that time, I wasn't doing very much for Fender at all. And um, I'm like, well, we should check out our, our Twin Tone 3. So I used one of the amps for the whole show. And as I was playing it, and I was like, clean sound, clean sound with the boost, lead sound, lead sound with the boost. I'm like, Kind of what I like to have yep. happening. And the overdrive sounded great. And the clean sound was clean but not spiky. And it compressed in a way when you turned it up that was real kind of conducive for the kind of clean lead playing I like to do. So I was like, this is awesome. And it's got my name on it. Yeah. Ready-made signature amplifier. Right. And so then uh, um, I remember Larry Fishman going, what's the deal with that amp? I go, it's, you know, it's got the same last name and da 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 We started talking about it. Then I went over and I uh, was at their booth and I I just kind of hugged like a stack of cock amplifiers and I posted on the inner Google and people were like, oh my God, but, 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 you have, I didn't know you had your own amps. I'm like, I didn't either. <laughs> and uh, so then we started talking about um, what might be possible. And uh, I said, look, I love what the, the Twin Tone 3 does, but if I, there are things that I would like to have different. Um, 
And so I made him a little recipe. I love 210 amps. I've always been a Vibrolux mm -hmm. fan. Um, and so basically, I like from the Twin Tone 3, I like the clean sound, clean sound with the boost, lead sound, lead sound with the boost. That was all kind of what I wanted to have happen. But I wanted to be able to get a little bit more gritty with the clean sound if I, if I wanted it. Um, and I wanted a long, um, kind of a long tank reverb on it with three controls on it, with mm -hmm. the tone, the dwell, and the mix. Uh, and I also wanted harmonic vibrato, which is great, fantastic sound. I was like, man, if you could make that all happen and make it sonic blue, that would be magnifico. You, the engineers must love you, not about <laughs> wanting knobs on the front and knobs on the back. Well, that's, that's what we started talking, and people are like, because I always used to make jokes, because all my favorite amps of all time have been very, very simple. And yeah. in the perfect world, I'd, have, I'd like to have an amp with one knob that said more. And so I'd yeah. be like, I thought you only wanted one amp that said more. Like, well, uh, what this allows me to do is that all the kind of the goodies are on the top. So one of the ways, so this is just your basic amp controls. You got your, you know, your drive, your volume, and your three band EQ. That's for both the, the lead mm -hmm. and the clean sound. Uh, on the top, the two buttons over here are a drive and an output for something they call OTS, which is, uh, stands for Output Tube Saturation. And so okay. apparently it's a half watt power amp tube that you can overdrive and then add line level to either channel. Ooh. So that becomes your additional boost for either channel. So if I've got, uh, here's just the clean sound. Just nice and clean and mm -hmm. juicy. And here's the OTS. It's a little ratty-ish, yeah. kind of like a like a tweed amp crank. So it's not not designed to be a volume boost, and as such, it's just designed to kick in a bit of drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can mm -hmm. roll back the drive and mm -hmm. just have it be more of an uh, um, um, just an output boost. Cleans mm -hmm. up nice when you turn it down. Cleansville. Where did that um, total left hand, where did that bend that you do that sort of sounds like a sort of a, almost like an animal in pain kind of uh, ew, ew, ew. Uh. <laughs> no, I, got, like I got stepped, that from Robert Cray. It's like a stepped kind of it's a Robert um, Cray thing. Because yeah. you throw that in a lot and it's instantly recognizable as you. So apologies, Robert Cray, if actually I'm hearing your records and it's you. Well, uh, it's, it, thinking... let's just put it, let's just say <laughs> the application and intention is much different. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that little... And it's kind of Roy Buchanan-esque as well where we do that. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Uh, okay, so we got clean sound with the OTS, clean sound. Now, if I go to the lead sound... I just like to set that a little crunchy, you know what I mean, so it's not real. It's smoother than what the OTS does. Mm. But what's great about it is there's an o oh, there's a overdrive gain boost for that channel. So that's just specifically for that channel. So I can have it kind of this. Goes to Filthville, but did, then did all I'm gonna do, did all those 
stylistic things that you do come from being a guitar demonstrator for Fender and thinking, I've got to do something that make this audience kind of go, whoa, or were you doing that? No, I just, I always just, I mean, my band was always, the only reason why I did the, the Fender thing is because I thought that was going to get our band noticed so we could just, right. so I could just play. So there was, it was never like, oh, I want to, you know what I mean? It was always, uh, the band was constantly doing new tunes and I was always trying to put things, new, new things together, both guitar-wise and composition and all that kind of crapola. And the Fender thing for me was just kind of a... Right. So you, it, that didn't, the, the Fender gig didn't influence how you played, that you were playing no, anyway? No, I mean, I will say that I was inspired to play certain things as a result of the gear right. that they would lay on me for. Well, this year, because how it would work was, that, okay, this year we've got this amp and this guitar, which mm. we really think is up your alley. If you dig it, then, you know, yeah. we'll use that stuff. So, and so in some ways that might make me do certain things, uh, like whether it was their baritone, that subsonic thing, or... Um, various different guitars and amps. They had that, um, what was that guitar they had with all the effects built into it and shit? I mean, stuff. Uh, am I not supposed to swear? Or no, you can swear. It's okay, fine. doggone it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Woo! Anyway. Uh, yeah, so it would depend on what the, the, the thing was, but a lot of times it would inspire me to, right. to do the things. Right. Fair enough. Sorry. Back, back that's all right. So getting back to, back to this device. So now, so we did that overdrive, overdrive boost. I can also put the OTS on top of it. That almost sounds like a fuzz. So here's a... So here's overdrive, overdrive, boost. Now with the OTS. And then back to... Pitties, so it's though. everything. Um, can we hear the harmonic tremolo? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's just give it a go. Oh, actually, that's just the regular tremolo. Here's the harmonic. that on the top there's a there's a rate and a depth but there's also a volume because a lot of times when you hit effects like that you lose mm -hmm. a little so you've got it to poi. put it back so in. now you can actually yeah. raise it up a little bit so here's before take it a little bit more Vibey, but it's it's pretty close pretty doggone close so are you set now in terms of not needing any other pedals when you go or do you do you still pack a like a delay and a wah-wah or something or I, I just... mean I might use a little wah-wah here and there mm -hmm. um, I do I basically just bring like on this last tour I just brought a cord a, a coily cord I might add which I was a little closely tethered to there's some some vids that have shown up online of me, like, <laughs> being tethered to my amp because I got one coily cord but yeah basically that foot switch that amp I've done and What's interesting is I have it on half power right now. It can either be, um, oh no, I am on full power. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think it's ridiculously loud in here, is it? And yet, even no. with the super high gain stuff, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a, it's like, it sounds loud, even though it isn't 
crazy loud, which it, you is know a what, good thing. It, what's nice about it too is that at, at no point does it really get razor blades and mm. hand grenades. It's just mm. kind of a it's kind of a velvet ice pick. Yeah. So these are made by a very small uh, Dutch manufacturer, and consequently, I would say that um, Andertons has been more out of stock than in stock. Right. So if you want one of these, apologies if you have to wait a little while, but it's it's purely and simply because they're not made in very big quantities and they've been quite popular. Yes. The pedals are uh, easier to obtain now that they're right, the made pedals, by absolutely. Uh, Fishman. Um, but... Probably the coolest thing. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't really pick a favourite because I'm saying which one your favourite child is. Isn't it? Yes, That's this is of, true. Not really allowed. But the, the kind of the coolest thing, and certainly the thing that we've seen most excitement about in terms of you know customer pre-orders and stuff like that, have been your Reverend guitars loaded with your Fishman pickups. Yes. And I've got to say. Um, I'm slightly envious. The clever people at Wildwood have done this orange thing as like an exclusive color for them. But hopefully uh, they'll become more uniformly available. That exclusivity soon and they'll be available. But there are some cool color ones in the the blue, the yellow and the red. Yeah, great colors, great (laughs) names. Um, But I'm kind of I know you've been a a, a telly guy for a while. So it's no surprise to see your signature guitar kind of stylistically going down that kind of vein. Right. But but it is a little different, isn't it, to it a, is. to a to a Fender. Well, telly. you know, obviously with my affiliation with Fender over the years, um, you know, it would, it would have seemed to have made the more most sense for me to do something with them. Mm-hmm. And when and when these pickups were developed with Fishman, um, it seemed like it would be a good fit to kind of do a Fender instrument uh, with my pickups on board Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason that did not transpire so then we were actually going to do a situation where uh wildwood was just going to do like a run of guitars of right like custom shop stuff and then put my pickups in it um and in lieu of that you know i've always been real tight with um because of actually starting to do videos at uh, wildwood with ken haas from reverend and joe naylor and we always got along well. And, and He's like your brother from a different mother. Kid, right, it's really, bizarre. It's, Big it's a guys, bizarre thing. Similar warped sense of humor. Yeah, and he's a Midwestern yeah. boy. I mean, there's a lot of... But it, what's what interesting it about with Ken and I is that Ken... Ken's, a, I think, two years younger than maybe me, maybe. But totally different musical realm. To- completely different. Which is kind of fun because he turns me on a bunch of different rocker, stuff. He's a punk isn't he? He's really? a punk, yeah, he's more yeah. of a punk dude. Yeah. And, um, which is not my thing. <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm not opposed to it. It's just, you know, it's not what I kind of gravitated to, yeah. shall we say. Um, so anyways, Ken and I started talking and one thing that, that I liked all the different rubber guitars I had played and, uh, and I liked the fact that they were not horribly expensive, um, and that they'd figured out a way to make really quality instruments that were ergonomically tweaked in a way that more of a kind of a vintagey type of person was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could do X, Y, and Z on a guitar mm-hmm. that perhaps more... Um, shall we say, uh, legacy brands would be afraid to do, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, or for whatever reason. Uh, so I dug all of that. and then, But I also like the fact that just as a brand, they were cool mm-hmm. in, in what they did and how they kind of went about it. And they always put on cool parties at like, you know, Winter Nam and at Summer Nam. And I'm like, how come I never get to play any cool parties? I want to play at a party. <laughs> so we started talking and he's like, well, if you were going to play one of our parties, what, what would you play? I said, well, why don't we just put some of my pickups in one of those Pete Anderson Eastsiders? And um, and then we put actually some of the humbuckers into another the, the hollow body Pete Anderson, mm-hmm. um, and I got those both guitars or both of those guitars at, actually at uh, at Dallas a year ago. So that would have been early May of last year, 
And I started playing that that uh, East Sider. Uh, it was in this cool blue. They call it uh, Lakefront Blue or something like Lake something. I think there's a lake involved. Blue is definitely involved. Anyway, so I dug the guitar. I thought it sounded magnificent. So I just started gigging with it all the time. It stayed in tune. It played great. Yada, yada, yada. And then he said, look, no pressure, but, you know, Joe Naylor and I, would we'd love to be involved with you in any way, shape, or form. If you want to do a guitar, if you want to talk about it, we're in it. if you don't, you know, we're buds. Don't worry about it. So then um, Ken had uh, offered, um, he goes, you know, would you be into flying to Toledo and just doing some videos with me in the in the in the lair and um, uh, in the Reverend headquarters and playing a bunch of different guitars? And I was like, sure. So we we uh, came up with a deal. And while we were there, I said to him, I go, this is after the first day of shooting where I played all these different guitars. And of course, it went through my mind. It's like there's about five of those guitars I really want. And I was like, I could buy all five, and it still wouldn't be as much as buying one yeah. custom shop legacy brand guitar. You know what yeah. I mean? So I said, you know. Uh, all we would really need to do is, you know, maybe do a different neck profile and I'd put a different bridge and maybe some different colors and, you know, and do that. And that would be my signature guitar. And like, well, we don't have to be hindered by that. You can do whatever you want. And I said, well, I think doing a, a guitar that would be not Tele-esque would be weird. You yes. know, uh, I mean, these are pickups for, you know, a Telecaster. They're not pickups for, you know, whatever, a spiky horned guitar of some sort. So, uh, one of the things I remember I always used to talk about with the Fender guys is like, look, why don't you make a guitar that's just slightly larger because I'm a big son of a gun and I want a guitar that I can play where people are going, is that some kind of mandolin? Is that a ukulele of some sort? Um, but also not so large that it would alienate the more diminutive individuals. Does this make my bum look big? Do, you think this, is it, does this, do I look out? It makes it look small. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yes. The Rum Enhancer 3000. Rum. Any, or rum, depending on what you, your uh, your point of view. So this particular guitar is about three percent larger all the way around, which it's is it's all about the extra three percent, right? Extra three percent, and so <laughs> it looks more proportionate on me, but it's not too big, and it fits in a regular guitar case. So right, you don't have to worry about a, a different kind of a case. So, um, and then Joe Naylor, I, I I bought this guitar at Dallas last year. There's, there's this little. Um, uh, guy that makes guitar not a little guy but a little guitar manufacturer from uh ventura county guitars and he made this guitar it was a tele body tele controls but it was a uh a bolt-on like firebird with tele features and it was really really cool cool and so joe goes well as long as we're doing the bigger body and doing something different what if we did a raised section uh yeah. like that firebirdy thing you have and i thought that's a great idea and then yeah. we started talking well it would make sense to do the pick pick guard like this um and then neck-wise, I, I like the profile on the, the East Sider, but I just wanted something a little bigger, so it's just slightly bigger. It's actually more like my actual 53 Telecaster, yeah. uh, but it's a compound radius, so it's uh, 10 to 12, I believe, and uh, 6105 frets. It's got the locking tuners. And then when it came to this thing, initially I wanted a metal surround, mm -hmm. and uh, we did it, and they sent me a prototype. It looked fabulous, and I was like, the neck pickup sounds weird to me. And uh, I said, is there something with the way the guitar was constructed? It just doesn't seem to have the same balance. And then Joe Nettler called me up. He goes, I took off the metal surround and put a regular parchment pickguard material around it, and it sounds fine. So there's How something with the that? impedance that was weird. I think it's the impedance or the shielding or something. Something, something. But we were kind of coming with the conundrum. I was like, well, if we, we could either figure out a million mm. different scenarios that might solve the problem, or we could just put this on there because we know it works. I said, yeah. I'm cool with that. Because it looks... It looks reverendy because it's different. You know what I mean? 
I think those, those are my two favourite features about this is the raised centre bit and the individual little pit guard around the neck pick. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just cool. It's so, it's so difficult now to, to do a take on a shape that either isn't a complete rip-off of something that's right. been out before or just something unacceptably ugly. Right. You know, it's like, but you so, but every so often somebody comes up with one and you sort of go, oh yeah, yes. that's cool. And, and it's, you would sort of, anybody that's got any sort of thing, oh, does it feel weird, this being the race? But it's like totally, your hand goes nowhere near it. Right. It doesn't feel, it doesn't even feel bigger. Well, what's interesting about play. it is, is that that thickness of the raised middle section is the actual traditional thickness of a T-style body. Right. So everything else is recessed a little bit. So that mitigates the weight a little bit. They're mm -hmm. all a little bit over seven pounds. It's a Carina that's body. Mm. Uh, Which is a light wood anyway, isn't yeah. it? Carina generally, yeah. And that's that's what they like to use. That's what Reverend kind of that's their bailiwick, if you will. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. Mm. I've mm. heard the word bailiwick before, used probably in the correct context, <laughs> and I can't remember what it is either. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, and then the different bridge. I wanted I wanted um, a three saddle brass bridge that was uh, intonated. I knew Wilkinson made a good one, so we decided to go with that. And then we put the, my pickups on it, which you know keep it quiet. Um, and have that, that little extra little something something. And it's got that little, uh, one of the reasons why we did that instead of the push, but most of the fluence pickups come with a push pull thing to get that second yep. voice. But I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't, I didn't want to mitigate my yeah. tone control was. So we did the thing with the push push button to, to go between the two different sounds. And you don't lose any highs and you turn down the volume. So what's been great for me, which also makes me not have to use any pedals is that if I'm. If I'm doing a lead and I got the overdrive on and the OD boost up. If I want more, I just press that button. So it's nice to be able to go from a whisper to like just totally clean, but I can go to that clean sound and press that button and it's just like, it's a girthsome clean. So it's pretty good, gives you all the control to do whatever the hell you want to do in one fell swoop. So, you know, and these guitars are made in Korea, people get over it. What? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. 
I, I think you don't, you don't have to worry too much about that over here. It might be more of an American thing that upsets people. But over here, we, we see the sort of, we see it made in America normally is kind of like, you know, where you'd expect all the, the best, most expensive stuff to do. Japan, maybe second. Right. Then Korea. Right. Then kind of Indonesia and China and India and everywhere else. Sure. Kind of thing. So Korea, I think over here is generally regarded as like one of the best stuff to come out of the Far East. It's not, it's not. Um, well, I don't care if it's made in the North Pole. The thing sounds magnificent. Plays well, great. I think the timing was was good as well because one of the things that Reverend started doing last year was using the baked maple necks. Yes. And I can't imagine this guitar would have looked as nice if it had had one of those very pale right. uh, maple necks on yeah. it. And the fact that they've gone these this darker brown colour because of the baking just gives it a look. I really like it. You know, it's 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 um, signature guitars are a weird one, aren't they? They are. There, there's an element of like. Does that mean I'm a Greg Cock fanboy because I bought a signature, you know, or can I, right. do I play like him or, you know, it's all like, right. but you've not, it's got a very small Greg Cock signature on the back right. and it's not really trying to be anything other than just a nice guitar, is it? There it's just it is. like, you yeah. know, here's a nice guitar. Um, I like it very much. Well, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Uh, I, I dig a, it. I've got a reverend, just, you know, you were saying that thing right at the beginning about how you just played one and you liked it and da da da. Right. I've got a reverend, uh, double agent yeah those are cool and someone gave it to me to be honest with you and i'd done a few favors for a guy that owned a store in america and he said look you should you should um check these guitars out uh, and by the way here's a here's one just as a present like thanks for helping me out da, da, da. and uh guys on facebook who follow my facebook page will know that that guitar just gets used all the time it's by a mile the cheapest guitar i own yeah yeah well, not maybe by a mile, but it is the cheapest guitar yeah. I own. And yet it's just, there's something, there's a draw. Yes. I don't want to play it necessarily all the time. It's not sure. necessarily like, I'm not going to swap my... So do you have those um, washing powder adverts in America where the guy comes on and goes, I'll give you two packets of your old washing powder for one of your new one. And they go, <laughs> no, I'm going to keep my new... Right. It's not, it's not that guitar. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's, I use it, you know, I don't feel somehow shortchanged when I pick it up and use it. I no, yeah. It's a good guitar, you know, and if, if I, you know, for, well, as you say, the, the Reverend stuff will be anything from, I guess this, this, these will be one of the dearer Reverend guitars because of the, the Fishman Fluid right, system the, that's in it. This guitar, uh, the new Reeves Gabrels with the Sustaniac in it yeah. and the new Rick Vito because of some of the uh, aesthetic uh, appointments on it. They're all like the, the most expensive Reverend guitars, which yeah. American-wise is fifteen ninety-nine. Yeah. Well, we're a bit less than that over here, which is good, but Excellent. it's like twelve ninety-nine, something like that. But I really like it. I do want to just a couple of things on the on the Fisherman side. Yeah. I, I am a dyed in the wool struggler when it comes to anything that wasn't invented in nineteen fifty. Yes. But so just the advantages of, of these presumably are that they're hum cancelling, are they? That's so, correct. So yep. there's no, which is a cool thing. And you is this a just a set? Gain boost, or is That's it a correct. voice? It's not a you know you can't. It's not like a because some of the well, humbuckers have like a voicing. It, well, it's a vo- it's a different voice, so it's right. not like you're adding something to the first sound. It's actually like you know they like to say it. It's like you're swapping one set of pickups out yep. and putting another set in. So right, okay. But the second set just happens to be meatier and louder. So right. and do you have options sort of somewhere inside here about what? Because no, it just, the it just is what it is. Switches, but what, you, what's interesting about yeah, the humbucker does have some switches. Mm. Um, these were the ones that I had. I mean, I, I was involved with the, the Strat pickups, which they call mm-hmm. their single width, the Fluent single width pickups, and I was involved with the classic humbuckers, uh, the first iteration. Um, but these are the ones I had absolute, <laughs> I, I had absolute say so on. Um, and 
I, I just find that, like in comparison to um, my other guitars with just regular analog, or I shouldn't say analog pickups, just regular wound <laughs> pickups. Yeah. Um, steam powered. Yeah, steam powered. These have a slightly more output. It's glassier, mm. um, but it, there's the highs aren't ice picky and the lows don't mm. fart out. So a mm. lot of times when I'm doing like a Fishman clinic and I show up and I don't know what kind of amps they have, I'll just grab like a reissue 65 Deluxe Reverb and turn it on about seven, keep yeah. the EQ pretty flat, plug this thing into it, and it sounds when it's full up, it gets crunchy when I press that button and it's the end of the world. When I turn the volume down, it's the greatest clean sound ever. So yeah. as much as it's all using all of this you know, new high-tech devilry, yeah. it actually enables you to just be as old school as yeah. possible from an actual playing point of view. Is it true, though, that um, birds have a tendency to fly into them and die and just being around them gives you cancer? As a matter of fact, much, <laughs> much like the wind turbine, right. it will inflict you with some kind of pestilential medical condition. Right. So we really should use uh, a coal version of these would be better, wouldn't it? Well, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, so look, if the guitar is either not your bag or is a bit of, a little bit rich for you, but you like the sound of it and you have a, a Telecaster-shaped guitar, you can buy this um, Greg, Cock Fluence, Greg Cock Fluence set. Can yeah, I try saying the that gristle after a few tone, The gristle um, tone pickups, as they're called. And, uh, yeah, they're very, very cool. And, well, look, man, it's... it's I like... Isn't that a nice little subtle kind yeah. of... Just a slightly little chamfered in. It's really nice. I, again, I've been dealing with uh, Ken and Joe for probably three or four years now on their guitars and I really you know for me it's like they've got this knack of going it's not a total ripoff of a Fender or a Gibson no, yeah, exactly. or a Rickenbacker or right. something like but it's gonna give you it's gonna make it feel like it could have been there right you know like in those days you know it's like it's 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 they, it's a really cool a little bit like a Duesenberg kind of um you know, again, where they just stylistically, they kind of go, it could have been here right, in the 50s right. or the 60s. You know, wouldn't wouldn't have looked out of place if it was there. Well, one of the guitars that I just bought of theirs that I wanted, because um, I, I got rid of a bunch of my guitars and I bought that 53 Tele. And so in, in lieu of harvesting an organ, I just <laughs> sold a bunch of my stuff and I had a... Uh, uh, I had a Collector's Choice Les Paul. I had the, the Greg Martin, the Collector's Choice oh, number 15. Nice. It was a glorious guitar and he's a glorious mm, individual. Mm. And I had it with the Peter Green wiring. So in the middle, it did that thing. And I didn't want to sell the guitar, but I thought, you know what? I haven't played it. If I don't play a guitar for six months mm. and there's another guitar that I want that this will help me to get, it's gone. Right. So I ended up uh, getting rid of that guitar, but I really missed that out of phase, duck walky, squawky, yeah. Peter Greeny goodness thing. And um, I was messing around one day with the, the Reeves Gabrell's Reverend Space Hawk mm -hmm. instrument. And it's got a push pull pot that allows you to get the out of phase oh, okay. in the middle, but then with that bass contour that they have it, you know, where you can actually when it's full up, it's full on humbucker, yeah. but you can go back a little bit and kind of it almost sounds like a uh, a very usable coil splitter, but it's not. But anyway, it functions as kind of like that. And then you don't lose any highs and you turn down the volume, which is something I always did on my guitars anyway. So it, they instinctively put in all the cool stuff that I would have tweaked, which I wouldn't have got if I purchased another custom shop Lester and then put yeah. that Peter Green mod in there. So I, I bought one of those guitars. The um, the Bigsby stays in tune. They've got right. a special uh, 
spring in there that was actually taken from Reeves' bike or some damn thing. His <laughs> Schwinn bike where you put it in there and you can do the warbles and it stays in tune. It's like, I got this guitar. I can do the, get the Peter Green thing. I can use the whammy bar. It looks cool. And it was, in comparison, dirt cheap. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, it'd be at least a quarter of the price, maybe a fifth of the price. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's cool stuff. And it, it's kind of... I wouldn't say it's... I mean, I, people are like, well, are you saying I shouldn't buy a custom shop telly? I'm like, no, no, no. If you want to get a custom shop telly, let the good times roll. Uh, but if you want to spend a hell of a lot less money to have an instrument that does all of what this guitar does, that's cool too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you... Obviously, a Fender guitar or whatever legacy brand you want to talk about, um, those guitars are going to, you know, hold their value and, you know, it's an investment, it's, it's buying into a legacy. I yeah, get all that and that's loads, all good. Loads of reasons to... Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I often, who was I talking to the other day? I think it might have been, I don't know if you've met a guy called uh, Jared Nichols. Yeah. Super. Jared's from my... Is he? Okay. His first band, well, not his first band, but he played in this uh, band with my son. They used to rehearse in our basement and they actually played oh, down really? in the... Um, <laughs> at the uh, the Memphis Blues Festival, they went down, and we all went. I was kind of like the band dad, and my son played in the band, and and then Jared, and yeah, he used to come out to our gigs all the time, and and uh, rehearsed in our basement. That is a small world. I was just about to say. So when I, I um, we've met Jared a few times, and uh, he's doing a, a clinic like you are tonight for us in about a month's time. Hi. So well, make sure you say hello to Jared for me. Tickets for that. Um, but he was saying exactly. So he's got his Gibson Les Paul Custom, you right. know. So da 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 da. But he's going to look when I'm touring around the world, and you know, you've seen everybody's seen the YouTube clips of what baggage handlers do to guitars when they're going around, you know. Right. So it's like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take that one everywhere. So right. I have a, an Epiphone, a little bit like you know, the Reverend thing. It's it's like they're great guitars, and they're not, um, but they are replaceable guitars. Is right. Because that, that sort of a. But I don't want to sort of. To say that in a derogatory way but it's like it's you know some of those custom shop guitars you get especially if you have a real connection with it right they become much harder to replace right not just financially but also you know do you, the next one might not be the one in the way the old one was absolutely whereas yep. whereas i kind of think one of the things that reverend and and you know do very very well is just Consistent. consistently yeah. go so if one of these goes missing and you go it's okay i'll just get another one exactly it's boom like, and away you I'm go. I'm away to go again. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very cool. All right, well, look, so 2019 and 2020, you know, is only around the corner. What, you know, what's what's the next project for you? Or is it going to be other than the acoustic album? And <clears throat> well, we, you know, we finally, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting thing, is that inevitably when we uh, post like tour dates for the band, mm. you know, like this past tour that we did um, in, in Europe, I'll post the dates and, what you really want to see when you post dates is, great, I'll be there. Or, hey, I've got a friend that lives in Berlin. I'll yeah. make sure they come out. But usually it's like, why aren't you playing in Schwabenon? Or why aren't yes. you playing in Jacksonville or some damn thing? And it's not because I'm shunning these communities. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like, a, I'm not going to play. I'm only going to play in these specific places. It's having representation. It's being able to get the venues. It's being able to have the connections and so on and so forth. So we finally have a, uh, a booking agent in the States, which is much harder than getting a record deal. It's, 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 yep. it's really, really hard to get somebody to book your band. And then once they start booking it, they realize how hard it is just to book stuff because people who have venues basically have no vision whatsoever. They need to, you know, it's got to be right here and it's got to be the lowest hanging fruit conceivably possible. So not that I'm judging. Does that sound like judgment? Anyway. Uh, so what we would like to do is just play more with the band, uh, in addition to doing everything else that's going on because the band is, uh, 
you know, of course it's glorious playing with my son, but he plays great and Toby's a demon and it's I think it's a it's a unique um take on the kind of music genres that we've kind of pasted all together and I just think it, it deserves to be heard in in a because you know it's you know how it is. When you play uh, there's a connection you can have on YouTube and on, but when you're in front of people and you're doing your thing, people are like, "Oh my God, I had no idea." Well, that's what we need to get out and, and do. So, get the acoustic record out. I'll probably add some acoustic stuff into the gigs that we do with the band. Cool. Um, I'll do like a little segment where I'll do a couple of those little savage little acousticy things, and then just getting out to play with a bunch of the band. And I know we're talking about different. Uh, Different activities with uh, with Reverend and Fishman doing some perhaps some different pickups that might be coming down the pike at some point in time, and also some different iterations of uh, this rascal, maybe a smaller simplified version that might be uh, available for the peeps. And uh, I think there's going to be um, uh, Hal Leonard is going to put out a book of uh, transcriptions of some of my back catalog. I think of uh, I don't know a dozen or eighteen or so of the tunes, so people want to dissect the filth. They can certainly do that. And other than that, just trying to keep on keeping on. And uh, I would like to get over here to do a tour with the band well, in the UK. Absolutely. I, we were talking about this at lunchtime. And if anybody is watching this video, Dudley, I'm thinking of you. Dudley! Um, my man! It could be anybody that could put together, you know, a little uh, seven, ten date workable tour for this man's band. Andertons would gladly promote it, obviously, for ah, free. Fantastic. and uh, But... Uh, yes, it's, it seems crazy that uh, you can relatively successfully, you know, get some dates in in Europe, especially Germany, and yet the UK is just we haven't we haven't pieced it together. We yeah. need more cock. What they say? Not that you've heard that joke uh, a million times throughout your That's life. So, so dirty. Um, so if you could, yes, if you're if you're uh, well connected in the sort of the. the, the, the bluesy rock kind of scene. Yes. Well, you know, wanna... even you know what's interesting is that. You know, a jazzy place works, yeah. you know, and, and it's like this is really kind of the ultimate jam band, even though none of us are, you know, rocked out of our gourds on on acid, at least that we know of at this particular juncture in time. But uh, jam band people eat this. Well, eat this I, I, I tell you for now, we'd we'd underwrite the Guilford one, you know. Just, oh, excellent. It, so there's one. There's All one right. done. Just so if someone else can just organize another half a dozen or so for, for, for later this oh, year or next year, we'd be brilliant. All right, man. Well, look, it's Absolute always pleasure. a pleasure. Never a chore. Uh, and if you have, uh, if you're coming tonight or, of course, in the past came tonight. Yes. Um, Wait a minute. Hello. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we're going to. Yes. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Please like and subscribe to our channel. And uh, we shall see you all anon, I'm sure. Indeed. Adios. Thanks. So, as I mentioned uh, halfway through this video and nearly forgot, uh, this is how you can win this one-of-a-kind signed uh, Gristle King pedal. Uh, appearing on the screen now will be a brilliant photo of Greg and some friends and the uh, very talented and amazing Ginger Baker. A very from... kind and loving soul. Yes, yes. Uh, what year? I want to say it was 1990-ish. Oh, you think? I think the haircuts would say it was earlier. 89, maybe. <laughs> 89, anyway, 90. Greg was, put this on Facebook the other day, and I laughed. Oh, how I laughed. So here we are. What I would like you to do is screenshot uh, the picture, or go find it on Greg's Facebook page, if you can do such a thing, yeah. and caption it with whatever you think is being said in that picture. 
Mind you, I was several sheets to the wind. I, I think all of the members in that picture were a little bit uh, croisoned at uh, that point in time. You'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll come up with some good stuff. Hashtag uh, Greg. So just hashtag Greg Cock, I guess. And yeah, hashtag, sure. hashtag even Anderson's music. In fact, we should have a competition entry. Hashtag um, I want more gristle. Hashtag I want more gristle. Yeah. And hashtag Anderson's uh, made me do it. And hashtag Andersons maybe do it, as Pete just said. My God, there's more hashtags on this meme ever. Post it to your favourite uh, social media site, uh, and uh, we'll pick a winner uh, somehow. I shall catch up with Greg again in a month's time or so. We'll pick our favourite one. And be one. kind. <laughs> just be nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just be nice. That's all we ask. Just be nice. Fair enough. And yeah, uh, whichever our favourite one is, we'll do. No, and you can sign enter. it right now. Brilliant. There it is. There we are. You can enter from wherever you like in the world and we'll send you the pedal for free. We'll cover the shipping and everything like that. So there you go. Anyway. There you have it. Do it now. Woo! Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time. <laughs>